You are listening to our Refinery Church podcast. Each message is from our most recent weekend service located on our downtown Brea campus. We hope you are encouraged and strengthened from today's episode. Now for a timely message from Pastor Jared Wagner. Well, we continue in our series this morning. Yeah, the, the series is called Joyful, okay? So we, our desire through this series is that we would learn how to be people of joy and that our joy would be full. Just like sometimes you were saying, AJ, we're a little tired and we kind of struggle to get here. Sometimes even when we get here, that joy tank is pretty low. It's been a, a rough week, tough month, tough couple years, whatever it might be. But what a place to come and connect with the Lord and connect with his people and allow God to fill our tank once again. So the, the book of Philippians is what we're going through. If you have your Bible in your hand, you can turn to the book of Philippians. And this is considered the book of joy. So it's only four chapters, this letter, and yet 16 times you'll read the word joy or rejoice. Joy, 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 rejoice, rejoice. I didn't count 16, but that's a lot, right? That's a word that's over and over and over again in a small letter. But that was the heart of the Apostle Paul. The amazing thing to me is that he wrote this letter when he was in prison, when he was being persecuted. If there was a time to get a little cranky, a little whiny, to complain, to grumble a little bit, to point his finger at somebody, right? It, It would have been that time. And yet he's writing a letter that's just overflowing with joy and giving reason for his joy. He was going through so much. And if you know the the history of the Apostle Paul, he went through so many trials and persecutions and struggles. And yet he kept his joy all along the way. How is that possible? How is it possible to be shipwrecked and and beaten and stoned and persecuted and hungry and tired and all that he went through and yet have joy in his heart? What was his joy connected to? His joy was connected to Jesus Christ. And so circumstance can change. Issues can change. People can come against you. You can have a bad day, bad week, bad couple years. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's good, and he's God, and he's in control. And the Apostle Paul said, my joy is linked and anchored in Christ. I always have a reason for joy. And then he went on in the the letter, and he said, you know, I have great joy, and I rejoice in you because you're partners in the gospel, your partners in the good news. And when I was reading that, I said, I know how that feels because I am rejoicing when I see you, when you wake up and decide to come to church and we get together, we're partnering in the good news of Jesus Christ. And then the apostle Paul said, yeah, I'm chained and I'm somewhat restricted, but because I'm chained, the brothers and sisters in Christ have been stirred up and they're more bold to share the gospel. And he said, so I rejoice that the gospel is being preached even when I'm chained up. What, what humility. He's saying, it's not about me. It's not about what I'm doing. It's about Jesus Christ and the good news going out to people. And that's what's happening. And I rejoice in that. And he told them, I also rejoice that you're going to have joy in what God is going to do through all this is that I'm anticipating God's hand as good work in all circumstances. You're going to see it, and you're going to be, man, God is good. 
is I rejoice in what's to come. He was always looking for things to rejoice in. And he always had them. He had an eye for that. It was too often, I think, in our culture, we have an eye for what's wrong, who wronged us, what issues we're going through. Typically, if we're honest, someone will say, how was your week? And you point out the two things that happened bad. Well, my car broke down on Thursday. And then this guy, I mean, my neighbor gets on my nerves. And Friday, he was just going off. And, and that was it. That's like your song of the week. It's normal for us to kind of grumble and complain and focus on the issues of life. But he had, again, an eye for what to have joy in, for what to rejoice in. I think we can learn from that. We can learn from him. And God wants us to be joy-filled people. He had a, a faith focus, is what I call it. You know, so he had like these glasses on. Imagine he always sees the name Jesus. So whatever he's looking at, he sees Jesus. The issue is still there, but he sees Jesus. See, that's what he's focused on. Right? And that's where his joy is. He lived in view of eternity. He was a realist. He talked about the struggle and circumstances that were before him. But he looked above those and he looked into eternity. What is God doing? We pastored a church before called Alive. And it was an acrostic for always living in view of eternity. And keeping our eyes on the eternal things and what God is moving, that's what brings great joy. He could have wrote a whole different letter and said, I'm going to write to you, church, about how miserable things are going for me. I'm going to write to you about how mean these people are to me. And they chained me up and they're coming against me. Write a, a chapter about, I don't know what's going on with my life. This is unfair and people are mean and the world is nasty and I'm angry, and I'm upset, and I'm going to fight back, and I'm going to yell back, and I'm going to push back. I mean, there might have been reason for that type of attitude. He could have even said, really, God? Like, I'm serving you? I'm sharing you with people? And this is the result of that? Could have easily pointed at God, said, what's the deal? But he wasn't doing that. It's a, a letter overflowing with joy and rejoicing in God and God's people. You know what he was focused on? And this is a challenge for us. He wasn't focused on what the world was doing and what their attitude and actions were like. He was focused on the church, God's people, and what their attitude and actions are like. He said, yeah, you're going to have persecution. You're going to have people come against you. But it shouldn't be that way amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. We get junk from the outside, but it shouldn't come from the inside. It shouldn't come from God's people. We should be different. We should be unique. I like that. When you follow Jesus' life, you know who he rebuked? He rebuked believers. Where's your faith? He rebuked the people that were supposed to be of the church. What are you guys doing? He didn't rebuke the, the sinner. The drunkard or the prostitute, right? He's saying, I'm trying to love on you. I'm trying to get the truth into you. And the Apostle Paul isn't here trying to slam people that are even wrong in him. He's saying, church, we need to be different. We need to be unique. We need to be set apart from the normal actions of the world. The world, as, as hard as it could be sometimes, shouldn't be changing us and making us angry 
and bitter and upset. We, as God's people, should be changing the world and making it a better place, a more joyful place to be in. So that was his focus. Church, how are you living? What are you doing? What are your actions? What is your attitude? Because we need to stand out. We need to be different. We need to be a light to the world. How many of you know sometimes people in the world can treat you kind of poorly? And so I think it's even more important as we read in Scripture that we're not those type of people to others. And even people that are coming against them, the Apostle Paul said, hey, this guy's chained to me. This guy's restraining me. That's okay. I want him to know Christ. And now I get to preach to him. Instead of trying to punch him and say, okay, how long is his chain? I can kick him and gank. He's just going, God's got a plan. God's working. God is good. And I want this person to know my Savior and Lord. What a heart. What joy he had. Always living in view of eternity. Treating others as you want to be treated. Paul said, it's not about you. I'm sorry. (laughs) News for you. Newsflash. This life is not first about you. Your life is about God's glory and the good of others. And that's what he was trying to get across to them. We're to be people that are humble, that are serving, that are sacrificing, that are loving, that are considering the good of other people. Joy, we said. The word joy. J-O-Y. You see it up here. The J stands right for Jesus first. O for others and the Y for you. When you have this order of living, that's where joy comes from. That's where your joy is filled up. And this morning, we're going to see that the Apostle Paul, as we get in the book of Philippians, continues to put his attention on the church and where we're at and where our attitude is. We'll experience, we, you, I, will experience great joy as we're thriving in our new life, thriving in our salvation, where we're doing the things that God wants us to do when we're having the right actions accompanied with the right attitude. That is the best life. I say it so often to people that, you know, oh, I don't go to church. I don't follow the Bible. It's going to kill my joy. It's going to kill my fun. It's going to take away. No, it's the exact opposite. Giving your life fully to Jesus Christ, following what God has for you is the greatest, most fulfilling, joy-filled life that you can live. Go after it. Go after what God has for you. So joy is experienced through thriving in your salvation. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, you'll see on the screen or in your Bible. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. God has a life for us to live. In the middle of these verses is a command that says, work out your salvation. That's the command. That's the call to us. It's important we understand it doesn't say here, work for your salvation, but work out your salvation. The Apostle Paul here was writing to the church, writing to people that were already saved 
and then giving this command to work out your salvation. Live it to the full. Do everything that God has called you to do and be everything that he has called you to be and equipped you to be and enabled you to be. God has given you a new heart and a new mind and new motives and a new way to think and see. Go live fully in that. Jesus purchased your life, purchased your transformation. We're to live different. Work it out, the Apostle Paul said. Display it. Show off what God has done in your life. There should be a change. There should be something unique and different in you. The name of our church is Refinery. The idea of a a refinery is there's something precious inside, deep inside the earth. And we go down deep and we work out what is precious. Bring it to the surface, refine it, and then use it for power. Use it to move things. The apostle Paul is saying, God has changed your life. He's equipped you. There's something wonderful and beautiful within. Now work out your salvation and put it on display and change the world and impact the world for God. There's a word that starts off these verses called therefore, right? That word therefore. What's it therefore, people say? What's it therefore, therefore, right? And it connects back to the previous verses, verses 3 through 11, where it talks about being humble and loving and sacrificing and serving and being considerate Christ-like people. And then there's this promise of exaltation. And so it's therefore... Therefore, since you're called to be and equipped to be this type of person, loving, caring, sacrificial, considering others, interested in their lives, and you will be exalted, then work out your salvation. You're on your way to heaven. You're on the road to heaven because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Now live as a child of God. Start it now. Live like it, he said. Project your salvation and the transformation that Jesus has made in your life. After this commandment, and after the therefore is the word for. If Addison, if you'll put that back up. The word for, right? For it is God who works in you to accomplish his will. Right? God is enabling you. He's empowering you to be the person he wants you to be. He's refining you. He's shaping you. He's molding you. He's working in your life. You may have been here last week and you read those verses and you heard about the person God wants us to be. And it's like, that's like almost impossible. Like, I can't do that. I can't be that person. And I would say you can be that person. That God has done a work in your life to make you that type of person and he is continuing to work and enabling you to be a joyful person and a joy-giving person. Your life should be unique and set apart and different, working out your salvation. When I was in high school, there was a guy who could have been an elite athlete. I mean, he could have been the top of the school, probably gone to college. He was a guy that was big, had the right body type, skilled. I mean, the ability, this guy was like, man, if I like had your body, maybe I could have done something. Scored a few points or done a little bit more in in sports, right? But this guy 
Never really like fully engaged. He was just like an average player. And the coach was always going, there's more in you. There's more in you. You, you got to fight. You got to push. You got to strive. You got to make it your goal. You got to go after it. Give it all. It's in you. You have God-given talents. And then he would just kind of slack and be half-hearted. And his game kind of reflected that. Never reached his potential. And I'm thinking, man, what a waste. What a waste. What about the church? What about the potential that Jesus Christ has given each of us to be a loving, sacrificing, caring, interested in other people type of person? Are we living out? Are we maximizing that? Are we working out our salvation? What an opportunity that each of you that have put your trust in Jesus Christ, you can now be like Christ. I mean, that's awesome to think about. Like me, God? Like I can be like Jesus to other people? Is that, is that true? Yeah, it is. Lord, I want to be that. I want to be like you to other people. And I want to go after that. We'll see in chapter to come that the Apostle Paul said, man, that's what I strive for. I haven't arrived yet, but I'm going after it. I want to be like Christ. And I keep pressing, keep pushing, keep striving to be like my Lord and Savior, working out the salvation that God has put in us, that Jesus has purchased for our lives. When we live like Christ and for Christ and the good of other people, our joy is at a different level. We're fulfilling the good purposes of God in our lives, doing what he wants us to do. There's joy also experienced when we work out our salvation with the right attitude. Who would have thought attitude would have been so important, right? Sometimes anybody here, you have kids or a teenager? Right? There's a lot of good teenagers, and they get picked on a lot, but I'm going to sort of pick on them again right now, right? Sometimes they'll do something, but they'll throw in some attitude with it, right? And then they'll be like, well, at least I did it. And it's like, you're kind of missing the point. <laughs> like, it, it would be so much more beneficial if you did what you did with the right attitude, <laughs> with a, a kind heart. And the Apostle Paul is saying to the church, the right actions are important, but you have to include also the right attitude. And then you'll shine. Then you'll be unique. Then you'll be different. We see that in verses 14 and 15 in chapter 2. Do everything. Woo! Okay, when I read this, you're going to say, Lord, help. And that's where we need to be. Lord, help. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Man. I'd be like, drop the mic, you need Jesus, and go, right? But listen, look at this. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. How many of you survived this morning without a little grumble and a little argue, huh? A couple of you, like three of you, okay, three and a half, Wes kind of, he grumbled somewhere along the line, right? 
it's connected to the verses beforehand. So don't grumble or argue when you're serving, when you're sacrificing, when you're considering others, right? Because we might be like that. That, that idea of, of grumbling is that bad attitude under your breath. You're just like, okay, I'm doing this for them again. I did it last week. They should have learned by now, and, but I'll do it again this week. And hey, Dino, and how are you? And you know, you get that smile that just, just doesn't look genuine, right? And, and, and your heart is grumbling. Right? And, and you're serving, but you're not doing it with the right attitude. It's not about just doing it. It's doing it with the right heart, with the Christ-like heart. Now, ladies, wives, girlfriends in here, now if it was some kind of anniversary... And your husband, your boyfriend said, let me get you some flowers. And then they got the flowers and they're like, well, I guess I have to do these kind of things to please you and to make you happy. And then give you the flowers. You're like, excuse me, I don't need your stinking flowers, right? Because of your stinking attitude, right? It, but it could have been good and different if I said, I know these are just flowers. I'd love to give you so much more. But just the, the smell and the look and the beauty, the kind of the light that it brings, I want you to know that kind of expresses who you are and who you are in my life. Right? And then it's like, oh, that's sweet. Thank you. Thank you for the flowers. Doing something with the right attitude is huge. Do all things without grumbling or complaining. It's so easy to do that. Grumble and complain so easy, but it's kind of difficult not to do it. So we need God. We need the Holy Spirit. What a good way to, to wake up and say, Lord, if I'm not going to grumble or complain today with the world I live in, I'm going to need you. It's going to be a Holy Spirit-filled day because I need your power. I need your perspective. Paul reminds us we're set apart when we're doing good things with a good attitude. Because in our world, that's not common. That's not normal. My mom used to say, and she was right, she would be able to pick out Christians, people that, that knew the Lord. She's like, you know, talk with them, new people. And, and then she would say, I, th I think they're a Christian. And then they would be. And it was like, how do you know, mom? It's like, you can just sniff them out. She said, because Christians are, are different, and they're unique. And this was a time where my mom wasn't a Christian, and she could point out believers. That's how it should be. should be that we're living in a way that people would say, uh, what's different about you? What's unique about you? And you could say, Jesus. Jesus is unique about me, shining, being different. Standing out in a good way. Sometimes Christians stand out, but it's not in the way we should. It's the, the grumpy, Karen type of Christian. Like, let me, you know, can, right? Stand out, but stand out in a good way. Jesus said, shine your light. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Light, your light, has the t potential to bring life. Because when someone sees you, sees AJ doing something different, when he's rocking out, doing his stuff, 
It's like, dude, you're kind of different in this crowd. What's up with you? And he could say, well, Jesus has touched my life. And so the light of who he is gives him the opportunity now to share Jesus Christ with people. If you've ever gone to Vegas, anybody go to Vegas? You can say if you have. You can be honest, right? Okay. So if you go over that hill sometimes and it's at night, the first thing you see is this giant beam shooting out of the Luxor. And, and it just, you can see it from miles and miles away. They said on a clear day, if you're a pilot, you can see this beam from 100 miles away. And it's like, oh, Vegas. From dark to light, we see it. That should be us. It should be us in a classroom where a teacher dealing with things can say, that student doesn't talk back. That student seems engaged. That student seems kind and and diligent in their work. What's the deal? Oh, another one of those Christians. That's making a change in them. Or a boss. I, I was surprised, like, a couple years ago, my boss said, can I talk to you? And I said, huh, what did I do? You know, the first thing. It's like, did I mess up? What, what happened? And he said, I just want you to know. And, and you know, I'm a grown adult. It's, it's kind of awkward. But he, he said, I just want you to know that you don't ever really grumble or complain. And you just do the stuff. And you work. And he said, it's so helpful to me as a boss to have somebody like that. And I go, oh, really? <laughs> okay. And didn't, didn't really know, but... I'll try to keep it up now, you know, right? Or a parent, right? Or a husband or a wife when there's not complaining and arguing all the time. It makes a great difference. A Christ-like attitude changes things. So just in closing, a couple more minutes. Will you lose your salvation if you're grumpy, grumbling, and arguing as a Christian? If you think you'll lose your salvation, raise your hand. Okay. The answer is no. So if there was enough gift cards, right, we give one to all of you except one, but now you know, right? You don't lose your salvation if you're grumpy and arguing and not doing well. But you know what you lose? You lose your joy for one. Grumpy people typically aren't joyful people. You'll lose your opportunity to give joy to others. Because often a grumpy person doesn't make it joyful those, to those that are around. And it says here that you will also diminish some of your witness. So you might not lose your salvation, but you can lose your joy, others' joy, and your witness to make Jesus Christ known. As Christians, we're kind of a light with a dimmer. You know, those dimmer lights that can be really, really low, and it's like the light's on, and, and someone comes in. You can, yeah, Matthew, can you give us a little real-life action, right? And then sometimes if it's light, you're like, hey, come on, turn up the lights. I can't see, right? And but also Paul is saying Christians can be like that. Your light never goes out, but it can be really dim if you're not careful. Shine bright for Jesus Christ. Paul was a great example of that as he's chained to somebody, as he's being persecuted. He's writing a letter of joy and thanksgiving. Jesus modeled that in his life when people came against him, when they were about to put him to death, right? He modeled a life without grumbling and complaining as he was serving and sacrificing and 
soon to die for others. Isaiah 53, 7 says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He didn't be like, okay, buddy, you'll see what's coming. Let me tell you, do what you need. You know, he wasn't talking trash. He was, he, right, he was on the cross, Father, forgive them. But they don't really know what they're doing here. Right? You remember when uh, Peter came in, he's like, you're not taking my Lord, cut off the ear. He's like, yo, like, no, we don't do that. He picked up the ear, whatever he did, and healed the ear. And he's like, we do it a different way, right? We do it a different way as people of Christ. So there's joy to be had. Joy to be had as we fully give our lives to Jesus Christ. Do the right things with the right attitude. The word joy again. Jesus, others, and you. Simple formula to have joy in your life. I'm going to pray and then we're going to have just a couple questions that, that we're going to put up on the screen and, and talk just for a minute before we close the worship song. We, we put those on the screen to try to apply what we've learned and wrestle just a little bit together with what the scripture said. So let me pray for us. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you first for your grace, for your patience with us, for your kindness that you continue to work and shape and mold us. Lord, we want to be like you. We want to represent you well. We want to honor you. We want to bring you the glory that you deserve. We want to reflect you. We're your children. We want to have your look. So God, we ask you again, fresh this morning, that you would help us. Help us to be the people that you want us to be, that you've called us to be, that you've equipped us to be, Lord that we would have that joy-filled life and be a joy-giving person, person that points people to you, Lord. We love you. We love your people. We love those that don't know you yet, Lord, that we want to have come to know you. Lord, as we just take a pause and discuss these questions, just help us to be able to really apply it, Lord, that we just wouldn't walk out the door, but we would think for a minute, how these verses and how your call upon our life can come to be. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more great content and information about Refinery Church, find us at wearerefinery.com and our socials, We Are Refinery. If you would like to help support and give to the ministry, visit our website at wearerefinery.com forward slash give. See you on our next episode at the Refinery Church Podcast.